can, if you are able to, please remain standing as, uh, as we read from God's Word. I know that was just cruel because some of you had just, just sat down. It's your morning aerobics, it counts. We are in uh, chapter 15 of John and we are going to do the first eight verses. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. All right, you may be seated. I am, I'm positive this time. Jenny wants clarification, she doesn't want to be up and down again. This is, if you have been following along at all, whether you are at home or catching up on video or, or have been joining with us, this is the last in our series of the I Am Statements. And I love the I Am Statements because it is Jesus giving us a very clear word picture of what it means to follow him and who he is and what he is going to do for us. Uh, following Jesus, being a Christian, is not complicated. Now, it's not easy work. It's hard work, but it's not complicated work. It's almost like if I hand you a shovel and take you out to a big field and say, I want you to dig a hole big enough to fit a house in and deep enough to fit a house in. That is not complicated. It's not easy. It's going to be a lot of hard work, but it is not complicated to work a shovel and start moving dirt. And Jesus is letting us know how easy it is it's, it's this simple. He is saying through these, uh, through these I am statements, you know, I am the bread, I am the light, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. What he's saying is, you know, I've got you. I'm going to feed you, I'm going to light your way, I'm going to show you which way while I light the way, I'm going to protect you while you are going that way. I am going to get you into heaven at the end of your journey, but while you are making that journey, day by day, I am going to transform your life, and while I'm showing you the path to take, I am going to show you the difference between truth and non-truth, and I am going to show you how to live so that you may pass that transformation on to others. That's a lot of stuff he's saying. And I think this one, this I am the true vine, I think this wraps it up. We could have done these in any order. We did them in the, in the order in which he said them. But no matter what order we would have picked, even if we just put them in a hat and drew them out, if we chose that, we would have saved this one for last. Because this one, I think, sums it all up and ties it all up very nicely. This is, this is definitely the sequel to all the rest of them. So this is, this is the one to pay attention to. Hopefully you paid attention to all of them. Uh, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, true, 
He is the true vine. And there are a lot of things in our culture that claim to be truth. There are a lot of things in our culture that tell you that they are the true spiritual path. And, and he is proclaiming that all of these I am statements and everything he says about faith, that is the truth and that is the way that we are supposed to live. And we get caught up in a lot of stuff because it feels true and it's not necessarily bad stuff. Like family. There are a lot of people in our culture completely devoted to the point where they worship family. They worship their children. They worship their parents. They worship being together as a family. And that is what they have replaced Jesus with in their life. And there's nothing wrong with family. But that's not what he has proclaimed is the truth. True is him. Um, I, I love this. The pastor and I, we have been reading this, this great book, uh, Letters to the Church by, by Francis Chan. And it is a very challenging book. Because there are things that we have read in this book where, where we feel like Francis Chan has stood in the back of the room at Fresh Start Fellowship for six months. And then he sits down and he writes a paragraph telling us what's going good with the church. And then he sits down and he writes a paragraph telling us where we're going wrong as preachers. And it's very, very challenging because a, a lot of times, uh, the other morning I was just sitting down to read this book at 7 a.m. And I got a message from the pastor saying, have you read chapter 3 yet? Because it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever read in my life. I said, well, no, I just got my cup of coffee and I'm just sitting down to read chapter 3. But thank you for setting it up for me so nicely. But it's, it's, it's really good, and there's so much truth in here. And I want to read you just a, just a little bit out of this. It's, it's by Francis Chan. I'm sure you know who he is. I take my glasses off to read. It's one of the perks of getting older. I don't need my glasses as much. Either that or I need trifocals. So this is, this is Francis Chan, and he is talking about the way church is and the way it should be. He says, one of the elders of my church, his name is Rob, spent most of his life in gangs. He had countered Jesus when he was imprisoned and placed when he was imprisoned and placed in solitary confinement. Today he is one of the most loving people I know. In fact, I'm not sure I know of anyone who loves Jesus and loves people as well as Rob does. Rob will tell me stories of gang life and the fear he felt when he left his gang to join the body of Christ. To do this in prison can be suicidal. He had to make a serious break with his gang, and gangs are anything but casual about breaking those ties. But the Lord intervened to spare his life. It wasn't just the physical torture or the death that he feared. He dreaded the rejection by those that he loved. The gang had become his family. They were loyal and dear friends, and they looked out for each other 24 hours a day. There was a love and a camaraderie from being in a gang, and he had enjoyed this since childhood. Now, in order to follow the Lord, he would lose all of those relationships and be hated by those men. When Rob describes gang life, much of it sounds like what the church was meant to be. Obviously, there are some major differences, drug dealing and murder, little details like that. But the idea of being a family is central to both gang life and God's design for us as Christians. Yet while we use family terminology in our churches, Rob's stories have convinced me that the gangs have a much stronger sense of what it means to be a family than we often do in the church. From what you know about gangs, could you ever imagine gang life being reduced to a weekly one-hour gathering? No group would meet briefly once a week and call that a gang. 
Imagine one gang member walking up to another one and saying, Yo, how was gang this week? I had to miss because life has been super crazy. I love that that picture he paints that gang can supplement God because it's providing some of the stuff that God's going to provide. And if you never meet God, you don't know that, but you can get caught up in finding this in other places. And he is proclaiming in the 15th chapter of John, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So there's a lot of things that they look and they feel like truth, and they're not even bad. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing gangs as a good thing, but gangs and family and politics and, and community service and, and serving our neighbors and loving one another and our career and our job and all of that stuff, that can feel what it's, what it's like it's real, but it's not real. It's not the true vine. We are meant to be real. Ben's got a couple of pictures back there that, that we gave him this morning that I pulled up off the internet late last night because that's how organized and, and far ahead that I think. But we've got the, the first picture up there, we've got some, some generic cola. Now, we are meant as Christians to understand that Jesus, that God is the real deal. He is Coca-Cola. He is not generic cola like we find in the store. He is not this generic thing that we find places. He's got some generic Oreos there. Twist and shout. Cream cookies. He's got some generic Twinkies to show us. Golden cream cakes. And look, there's nothing wrong with generic brands. I, I love saving money. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. And some of that stuff is pretty good. But the reality is... If you knew a family member that was on their deathbed and they said, I'm just, I'm just craving, I'm just dying, I, just, I need to get a cold can of Coca-Cola, you wouldn't just give them a room temperature can of cola. You would do everything you could to find the genuine article. We can't expect for Jesus to say, I am the true vine, and then give him some sort of generic off-brand almost sort of faith and commitment. We need to give him the real deal. We would not come in here and expect for Jamie to get up front and lead us in worship and sing the theme song to the love boat and say, well, it's kind of close. I mean, it has the word love in it a whole bunch of times, so it's okay. It's, it's not okay. And there, I mean, there's nothing like satanic about the love boat theme song. I don't think. It's been a long time since I've heard it. But, I mean, there's, there's nothing horrible about it. There's nothing that would be offensive to us about it. But it is not worshiping God. It, because close enough is not good enough. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. So all of this is underneath Him. I work for Him. So when I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, this thing about truth right from Him. He's not saying, look, I'm Jesus, the teacher who knows some stuff. I'm Jesus, the good man who gets some stuff right. I'm Jesus, the philosopher who has some wisdom. Or I'm Jesus, the nice guy who helps and heals people. He's not saying, I'm Jesus, the motivational speaker that can capture the crowd's attention and, and get them to buy into what I'm selling. I'm not Jesus, the leadership guru who's going to tell you how to, how to grow your business and how to make enough money to retire early and buy a Cadillac and, and get a timeshare in Hawaii. He is saying, I am telling you this as Jesus working for God. I am the son of God. 
and I am the true vine. Not the generic, almost one of the true things. I am the true vine. In, in verse 2, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. Verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In, in verse 2, he's talking about pruning. He takes away the stuff that doesn't work. He removes not just the bad stuff that needs to be gone, but sometimes he removes stuff that there's nothing wrong with, but he's getting it out of the way to make room for better stuff. Sometimes stuff is being pruned just to make, make ray, way for more. In, in verse 3, when he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, he, the crowd that he's speaking to, Judas was in that crowd. Was, was Judas a fruitful vine? In that moment, in that moment he was because he was a part of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus' ministry was filled with fruit. Did Judas remain a fruitful vine? No. Just because something produces fruit for a season doesn't mean we keep it forever. Because sometimes it's got to go because its, it's season has passed. A, a great example of that. I really prayed about this because I don't want I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or step on anybody's toes with this. But but this church isn't like that, so I'm not really worried about that. But in children's ministry, many many years ago, 15 lifetimes ago, at least that's what the children would think. But in our memory, there used to be this tool in children's ministry in vacation Bible school called a flannel graph. And if you don't know what that is, it's just it's almost like a piece of cloth, and these little cloth characters could stick to it, and the kids could get involved, and they could come up to the front of the room, and they could take the Jesus flannel graph and, and peel him off of the rock he was sitting on and move him over closer to the well and stick him on there. And it was, it was just a way to kind of illustrate stories and get the kids kind of hands-on involved in that. And it produced a lot of fruit because it captivated the children. They loved to, to touch it and to use it, and it made the stories make a visual sort of sense to them that just reading the story to them cannot. It was great, and it was fruitful, and it is no longer producing fruit because our children are, are, <laughs> they are technological whizzes today, and the, the flannel graph is just so old to them. It doesn't captivate them. A couple of weeks ago, you guys, many of you know Allison and Eric. They come to the second service. A couple of weeks ago, Shannon and I were over at their house, and we're doing a Bible study over there. And Paige, who is four years old, in the middle of this Bible study, she goes over, and she gets on the couch, and she picks up one remote, and she turns on her TV. And then she picks up the second remote, and she turns on, they have a Roku, which is one of these systems that allows you to, to use the, the, through the Internet, use the, the TV stuff. Mr. Technology up here explaining this, right? Um, and, and so she turns on the Roku, and then she navigates through these screens, and she gets to the, to the app she wants, and she clicks on that, and then she navigates through that to get to the thing she wants, and then it asks her, do you want to watch this from the beginning, or do you want to watch this from where you left off? And she clicks the thing down and moves it to start watching it from where she left off. She's four years old, and she can work this, and over at my house, we just watch stuff from the beginning because I can't figure out how to work it. And we've had it for four years since when Paige was born. 
She's learned how to work this better than me, and I've been trying it for four years. These kids live in a world of technology that flannel graft no longer produces fruit. That doesn't mean it's bad, and that doesn't mean it's wrong, and that doesn't mean that it was a bad thing to use. But now we've got, if you haven't been up to children's ministry, and, and we haven't been because of COVID, but before that, we've got TVs in each room. We've got this right now media, and we've got this technology, and Shannon can stand in the back of the room, and she can do something on her phone, and it plays the video on the TV and the kids love it because they can be involved in it and it's producing fruit and someday it won't because someday these kids someday's Paige is going to be my age and she's going to look at that and she's going to say oh that's 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 old and boring someday it won't produce fruit and we'll have moved on and it'll be I don't know 3d talking holograms or something but I will prune the things that are no longer working to make room for things that are going to produce fruit. I'll get rid of the stuff that doesn't work, and I'll get rid of some stuff that does work to make room for things that are going to work better because the mission here, the goal is to bring people to the Father. It's not to grow a children's ministry. It's not to, to grow the number of disciples he was walking around with. It's not to make him look better. It's not to make the disciples look better. It's not to make the people running children's church look better. It's to grow the kingdom. And that's what he is all about. And sometimes that pain in your life can produce good things. It's, it's her story, not mine to tell. And, and the coronavirus derailed. We had these, these testimonies going. And uh, my wife was going to give her testimony one Sunday morning. But then the coronavirus came to town, and the Sunday she was going to give her testimony, there was nobody here because we were all home. But she had not a great childhood, and it's her story. I'm not going to tell really any of it. But she had a lot of pain in her childhood. Some rough times as the family moved around, and there was some brokenness in that family. And, and she went through all that, and it was hard, and it was horrible. And you hear this story, and you are just appalled. And you can't believe that this would happen. But why did that happen? Because of the fruit that it was going to produce. My wife has a voice and a reach and a ministry in this community to hurting young women that you cannot believe. And it brings glory to the Lord. It produces fruit. She did not have a good time going through it. And we could go around this room and we have all got things that we didn't have a good time going through. But we look back and we say, oh, now I see it. Now it's producing fruit. Or maybe you're walking through something hard right now and you can't possibly imagine how it's going to produce fruit. But if you draw close to the Lord, your pain right now is going to be fruit in a later season. Verse 4, Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I brought a, I brought a branch here. Went out this morning and cut this off of one of the trees in our yard. I mean, so it's, it's like maybe even an hour off of the tree. And it's already kind of starting to not quite brown, but it just doesn't look like it did an hour ago. Now, I, I cut this off. Is there anything that we can do in this room this morning to cause this to grow a new leaf? Can anybody in here cause that to happen? How about if all of us together come up here and lay hands on this thing and pray? Can we cause it to grow a new leaf? 
We can't. There's nothing we can do to cause that to happen because it is no longer connected. And once it's not connected, there are no new leaves going to show up. It's done. No matter how hard it tries, no matter how hard you want it to be, it is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, and neither can you unless you remain in me. Neither can you unless you remain in him. Neither can I unless I remain in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Without a connection, no new leaves. Unless you remain in him, no fruit remains. I mean, it remains is really simple. That word, it just means stay, rest, sit, walk, abide. Those are all the different translations of what he meant in the original text when he said, remain in me. And when he said in, he meant with, in close relationship. The one who stays in close relationship with me, the one who rests in a close relationship with me, the one who sits in a close relationship with me, the one who walks in a close relationship with me, and the one who abides in a close relationship with me. And abide just means to to wait patiently, to endure without yielding, without giving up. So we don't have to do anything if we rest and sit and abide and stay and walk with him in close relationship New leaves are going to show up. Fruit will show up in your life. How can I develop a spiritual gift? How can I get good at this Christian thing? Sit with him, walk with him, rest with him, be with him. You draw close to him and all that stuff takes care of itself. You draw close to him, it's going to happen. If you want your life to transform from Jesus, get close to him. You don't have to do a bunch of extra reading. You don't have to do a bunch of extra lifting. You don't have to go to the library and get a bunch of Christian books. You don't have to go volunteer anywhere. You don't have to sign up for a bunch of extra Bible studies. And all that stuff is good, and it will help you, but it is not going to transform your life like getting close to him will. In fact, all that stuff is useless if you're not getting close to him. If you want your church to be transformed, you draw close to him. And then he's going to start producing fruit in your life, and the fruit in your life is going to draw other people close to him, and that is what is going to start transforming your church. If you want Keystone Heights to get transformed, get close to him. Don't worry about, well, I need to make a sign, and I need to get out on the sidewalk, and I need to start going door to door, and and I need to start start doing all these things to fix this city. Draw close to him, and he's going to start producing fruit in your life, and that fruit is going to have a greater effect than all that other stuff will. You want America to be transformed? You want this whole planet to be transformed? If every believer would decide, starting today, that they are going to rest and walk and sit and stay and abide in Him, we would transform this planet. We would transform this planet to the point where we get this presidential election coming up, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have not, not noticed that. We've got this election coming up, and let me tell you, if we are all abiding in Him and we are all producing fruit, 
it doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter if they're giving out free abortions on every street corner. It doesn't matter if we have lawlessness in the streets because if all the believers are producing fruit, then we don't have to worry about that stuff because we are transforming that stuff from the fruit in our life. We all want God to fix this country. It starts with each one of us. It's not about praying that he causes lord just may you send brother sam out there to fix it brother sam doesn't need to sleep brother sam doesn't need to eat brother sam doesn't need to do anything you just make brother sam just wind him up and let him go 24 hours a day seven days a week and let him fix it well you know there's nothing wrong with that in fact brother sam does a great job of ministry but instead of me praying for him to do the heavy lifting let me draw close to God and let God start producing fruit in my life. Because that is going to be transformative, not just for me, but for those around me. More so than for me sitting on my couch watching television, trying to figure out how to work my remote, while I just count on Brother Sam to go out there and fix everything. Does this idea about Christianity, does this, does this excite you? Because you are the one that's that's on call not just sam but sam you're not you're not off the hook you're 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 still breathing you're still going to minister but all of us as well we're all in on this we've all got to draw close and produce fruit if anyone does not remain in me i'm in verse six now if anyone does not remain in me is thrown aside like a branch and he withers they gather them throw them into the fire and they are burned Heaven is going to be filled with born-again folks who never shared their faith. They just kind of crossed that salvation finish line and they sat down and they just waited and they got to heaven. And they went to heaven when they died because they were born again. And they're going to be there and they're going to be worshiping God for all of eternity. And it is going to be great and it is going to be amazing. But they never produced a lot of fruit down here because they didn't want to do that transformative work of drawing close to him. They just go through the motions and they're going to be in heaven and that's great but there's other people that are not going to be in heaven because they never heard the word of the lord because they never heard the gospel because the doctor came in and gave them some good news and they said i just keep picking on sam this morning i'm i'm sorry brother but you shared this so this one's your fault not mine but the doctor comes in and the doctor gives them good news and they think to themselves oh that's great god is so good and they don't ever say that to the doctor. And they don't ever have prayer with the doctor. And they don't ever share their faith with the doctor. And then someday, that doctor might not be in heaven because nobody produced fruit and shared that with him. If people didn't produce fruit and share with me, I wouldn't be here this morning. Empty places in heaven. Because those of us who know Jesus aren't producing fruit. People that we know are going to die and spend eternity in hell. 
because we're not producing fruit or we're not producing enough fruit or we used to be producing fruit and we're still clinging to stuff that's that's not working anymore we're still clinging to what we used to do or what we used to want or what we want and and we got to just let go of it so we can get pruned away so more fruit can come along verse 7 if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you want and it will be done for you if you draw close and stay close to me and and then that lets me be close to you because you can't be close to me without me being close to you. You can't come up and give me a hug without me getting close to you. That's just the way it works. If you get close to God and God is close to you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. And, and boy, we love to misunderstand this verse. Oh, I know Jesus. I'm going to ask for everything I want. He's going to give me everything I want. And then I just think Jesus is some big old liar, bait and switch. I went to church, I asked for a Cadillac, never got a Cadillac, I call foul, it's a pyramid scheme or something, it just doesn't work, I want that money back that I put in the basket. We get that way, don't we? And may, I mean, maybe nobody in here has ever asked for their money back, but, but, but do we ever kind of feel that way? Like, oh, I'm asking for this and asking for this and asking for this, and come on God, I know you can hear me. But that's not what this is saying. In context, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if you draw that close to me, you are going to hunger and thirst so much for godly things that the things you ask for are going to be godly things. And I'll give you godly things all day long. In fact, you ever hear that phrase, be careful what you wish for? I mean, you start asking for godly stuff and it's going to start showing up. Go ahead, ask this morning for a chance to share the gospel with a lost person this week. You're going to be surrounded by so many lost people that you're not going to know what to do. Ask for a chance to be patient. I dare you. The biggest traffic jam Keystone Heights ever saw is what's going to keep you from getting to lunch. We start asking for godly stuff. Let me, let me, let me give you an example of that. Several weeks ago, because of the coronavirus, the kids weren't in school, and, and Shannon and I, we, just, we know several young people, and we know a young man, they weren't getting enough to eat at home. The family was having a family meal about every two or three days. That's what they could afford. That's, that's, that's what they could do. And they weren't getting enough food. And Shannon and I helped them a little bit financially, and we were doing some stuff, and we got them plugged into some different things in the community, and it, it still wasn't enough. They had a pretty big family. And, and I just, I didn't know what to do. And I said, instead of trying to solve this problem on my own, maybe I ought to do what I would do when I tell people to do as a preacher. And Saturday night, I got down on my knees in my back bedroom, and I said, Lord, this family needs some food. You know it. I know it. Make me smart enough to see the opportunity to figure this out. And I'm going to pick on Brother Sam again. But the next morning in church, Brother Sam corners me in there and says, my wife and I have had it laid upon our hearts. We are putting together these, these you know, little snack packs and food and stuff like that. Do you know any young people don't have enough food? You draw close to me. And I'm going to give you the things that you asked for. I, I still don't have a Cadillac. But that young man and his family got some food. That's God showing up. I'm not saying that so you, so you can brag on Sam. 
Sam is totally worthy to be bragged on in this. But, but, and he's over there shaking his head because he is drawn close to God and he knows it's not about him, it's all about God. But that's what it's all about. It's not about me, it's not about God. This is just about Sam and I being smart enough to see an opportunity that, that comes across our intersection and, and we have seized it. This is what he's saying. Remain in me, my words remain in you, and it's going to be done for you. Because you are going to want to serve me so much that you are going to see opportunities to serve me everywhere. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You want to live a life that produces fruit. That's why I am so excited about this, this verse this morning. I am the true vine. If you want to live a life of worship, remember way, way back in January, we started preaching about worship in here. When we started preaching about worship in here, we didn't know we were going to preach about the true vine. We didn't know a lot of stuff in January about what 2020 was going to do. But you want to you lead a life of true fellowship. But we talked about that. We talked about discipleship. We talked about the attributes of God. And if you've paid any attention at all through all of that, if you want that stuff in your life, it is not complicated. He is the true vine. Rest and abide in him. Draw close to him, and all of that fruit is going to show up in your life, whether you want it to or not. You are going to be connected, and that fruit is going to be there. And we've got an opportunity coming up for that. And I hope you weren't getting ready to make this announcement. I'm going to make it for you. But a couple of weeks ago, many weeks, maybe a month ago now, all time is just blurred together for me in 2020 but a couple of weeks ago brother scott who's just doing this 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 job of pouring his heart into the men's ministry he said i've got this i've got this thing that i kind of want to do and i've something on my heart about the beginning of the school year and he works up at the school in bradford and he's kind of tuned into that and he says this is on my heart and and i want to do this what what can we do and he comes to the pastor because you know we have all the answers and we know what to do and 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 so we, we sat with him, and we reached the end of our ideas, and we bounced them off of him, and he threw some more ideas in. And, and what has happened is our men's ministry is going to lead a ministry in this church where every student connected to this church, like from the age of three years old on up, and their parents are going to be connected to a prayer partner who is going to pray for them all school year. We are going to pray for them all the way through June by name. Every student by name and every one of their parents by name is going to be prayed for by somebody in this church. And I am so glad that you are all clapping because guess who those prayer partners are going to be? It's not just going to be Brother Scott and Brother Steve and myself. We're going to get a few more of you looped in. In fact... If you don't want to serve God and pray in that way, when when we're done with announcements and the pastor says amen, you better run out of this building. And you better hope we don't have your phone number and address because we are looking for you this week 
because this is something, this isn't one of those dreams as we're going to do this someday. Starting next week, we're going to start praying for these kids. We're going to start praying for their parents because I don't know if you've noticed, but this school year is crazier than any other school year I've ever seen out there. And they need all the prayer they can get. And we are going to start doing that for them because that is fruit that Fresh Start Fellowship can produce. You want to produce some fruit? Draw close to him. It is that simple. And if you are sitting there and you say, I don't know, I'm not really sure how to draw close to him. Well, you come find me after the service. You come find Pastor Steve after the service. The two of us, we can come up with some ideas to get you a little bit closer to him. But draw close to him. And that fruit is going to show up whether you like it or not. Let's pray.